0: Uh, Last week was Winterfest, as many of you know, and I was speaking at that uh, youth retreat and it was a really, really great time. Um, I had a blast. I really hadn't done any, I haven't touched any youth ministry stuff for, I don't know, five months. So it was kind of nice to talk to teenagers because you can really let them have it. You know what I mean? You can really, I got to be careful with all of you, but with them, you know, I can really, no, not really. But um, God really moved that weekend uh, with good leadership by the Sharps and the other youth leaders that were there. Um, We had a really, really good time. Uh, One young lady actually uh, gave her life to Christ. I guess she was walking with another female student, and yeah, um, they were just walking across the camp, and they had a conversation, and she gave her heart to Christ right then. So um, that's why we do this, you know? That's why we do this. And uh, so anyway, um, thank you for praying for that. Thank you to Mark for filling in for me last week. Uh, I heard it went really, really well as as well, and I got a chance to listen to his sermon, and... uh, Excellent job. Thank you for filling in. Took my text for the week, took the theme, ran with it, and did an excellent job. So um, we are in the, the last part of Galatians, as you might know. So if you would grab a Bible, you turn to Galatians 6. That's where we're going. Galatians 6. A few years ago, I read a story, uh, and it was about a guy who built a compliment machine. Now, what he did with the compliment machine, I guess it was about a five-foot-high box, and he painted it uh, red and white stripes. And inside the box, he put an iPod, and on the iPod, he recorded about 100 different compliments. And then he set the box on the sidewalk in Washington, D.C., in this uh, commercial area where you you do shopping, shops and different things. He set the box there. And it was there for a long time. He'd leave it overnight. He'd take his iPod out in the night, so no one would steal it. But uh, he left it there on the streets in Washington, D.C. And as people would walk by, the compliment machine would give people compliments. So it would say things like, you look very nice today. Or uh, people are drawn to your positive energy. You know, or it would say things like, um, you're a good driver, which I'm not sure how that worked, but um, I read that was one of the compliments. Maybe that was for the bikers going by, I'm not sure. But um, it had a whole host, a hundred different compliments that he recorded, and it wasn't that it was motion sensitive, so you never knew when it was going to go off, really. He would just, when he recorded himself doing the compliments, he would just pause between compliments, and then he'd give another one. And then he give another one. So you'd just be walking by and you never knew when the thing was going to go off. Shopkeepers along that area loved it. He said people would be walking by, you know, kind of with a, with, with a sober look on their face, you know. And then they'd hear this thing and they'd start smiling, right? Now, I think it's sad in some ways. I don't, I don't know how you take a story like that. Is, is that. is that funny? Is that good? Or is that kind of sad? I kind of take it as kind of sad because it, it strikes me that a lot of people probably don't hear a lot of encouragement. You know, a lot of people are only hearing the negative stuff and and and, and their self-talk is, is very negative. And, and yet, they walk by this box with pre-recorded compliments and they're supposed to somehow brighten their day. And it also strikes me that the church ought to be the most uplifting place, personally, to go. I mean, we're not a compliment box, but but we are people who should love each other to the extent that we are lifting each other up in prayer and in encouragement, encouraging each other to keep running the race. Because it can get hard. And you go to work and you might not hear any compliments or any encouragements. That's why we need each other. Because life can be be pretty dark at times. So that's how I take it. I take it as... (laughs) Far be it from us to ever lean on something so artificial to lift us up when we have each other as the church. The church ought to be the greatest place on earth and the greatest people on earth. And I think that's what Paul really deep down believes when he writes Galatians chapter 6. He really believes that if the church is a spirit-filled group of people, and as you heard uh, Mark talk about last week, That that we are free to choose. We we can choose the acts of the sinful nature and make this a really lousy place to be. Or we can choose to live by the Spirit and produce the fruits of the Spirit which will make this an amazing place to be. An amazing community to live in. Full of of Christian influence and love and caring. It, it, It can be one or two ways. But assuming that we choose the Spirit-filled direction in our lives, assuming that's the way we're going to go, Paul wants to spell out in Galatians 6, what does that look like? If a church is truly Spirit-directed, characterized by the fruits of the Spirit, what will that look like? So look at Galatians 6, and we'll get a vision for a Spirit-filled church. Galatians 6, he says, Brothers... If someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers." This is Paul summarizing some of the main things he is thinking about when it comes to life in the church. What he wants to give us is a picture of how we relate to each other according to the Spirit. That's why this message is entitled Free to Relate. I highly recommend you look at your notes at some point today because they're not going to be up here. They'll be on the paper in front of you. And really what I've done in the notes that you have in your bulletins is just ask the question, how do we relate to these different groups of people? There's different people facing different things in the church today. How do I, as a Spirit-filled Christian, relate in a Spirit-filled way to these people? And he gives me answers here. God gives us answers. Now that presumes something, and I think I just need to pause just for a moment. Um, I read a really great book a few years back by uh, David Augsburger. It was called Dissident Discipleship. And in the book he says... There's three different types of spirituality that, that people think about in the world today. And he said the first type of spirituality you could call monopolar spirituality. Mono, you know, meaning one, is, is, just, is just a spirituality of me. I am God. I am king. And so as I get in touch with who I am, I become more spiritual. So I can go away on the mountaintop and get in touch with my inner being and that's monopolar spirituality. We also call that um, idolatry or paganism or um, self-worship. And those people are not saved. That that's monopolar spirituality. You hear a lot of that, you know, in the New Age movement. Uh, that's a very popular spirituality today in America. Bipolar spirituality, which you shouldn't be confused with other bipolar things that you might be thinking of, but but bipolar spirituality is bi meaning two is me and God. Me and God, it's all about my relationship with God. My spirituality is completely based on how I'm doing with the Lord. And there's a lot of truth to that, and that's part of the picture. That's part of it. But, but if you look at your spirituality as my spiritual life is mainly just me and Jesus, you're missing something very important which is tripolar spirituality, tri meaning three, is the spirituality of me and God and neighbor. And I can't leave the neighbor out of it because Jesus says, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So if I chop the neighbor out of it, I'm chopping off a significant part of my spirituality. Bipolar is not enough. Tripolar is where we want to be, where I'm relating to God and I'm relating to other people. And I conceive of my spirituality in those two realms and including myself. So there's three of us, me, God, and neighbor. I believe that's what Paul's getting at here. He's saying, if you're spiritual, you you that really have the spirit are going to relate to people in a certain spiritual way. Okay? Now, what is the first group of people that we have to relate to in the church? The first one that he talks about is sinners. Sinners. Christians that maybe should know better, and yet they're doing wrong. Maybe they're doing some of the things that we looked at last week with Mark, um, the acts of the sinful nature. And, and he spent a lot of time going through those. So I'm not going to belabor the point and, and go through them again, but, but he went through a lot of those acts of the flesh and what they look like in America today. And I think he said it, it, it's... It's surprising that you know this, this letter that's 2,000 years old talks about things that we all deal with today. I mean, these things are no different than what we're dealing with today in America. They may take different forms, but it's the same sin. So, if you see a person that's sinning, and you say, how do I relate to that person? Paul's word on it is, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. So Paul's answer to this is, first of all, he's talking to spiritual people. People that he's assuming are filled with the Spirit. And he says, you that are spiritual. Some people take that, by the way, as kind of a negative, like he's kind of poking them, like you people think you're spiritual. I don't really read it that way. I think... Chapter six flows out of chapter five. And chapter five is all about walking in the spirit. And so he says, You that are walking in the spirit, you that are spiritual, you're the ones that should be helping sinners get restored. The word for restore in Greek is the idea of, of mending them, of, of, of taking the nets and, and restoring them to the original condition that they were before they got torn. It's it's things aren't good now, there's a sin here, but I want to restore you to your original condition. That's the restore. Now, as I read this, it hits me that Paul seems a little more concerned at this point with how I restore the sinner than with the person that's sinning. Do you see that? It's kind of like he's saying, let me give instructions for how sinners and restorers should get along together. And most of it he puts on the restorer. He says, I want you to restore people gently. Gently gentleness, if you were here last week, and you probably know this from your Christian, uh, if you've been a Christian for a while, fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, right? So, So Paul sees it as, I overcome sinfulness with the fruit of the Spirit, namely gentleness. As I'm talking to the sinner, I'm relating that to them according to the fruits of the Spirit, namely gentleness in how I deal with them. And as I do that, I help restore them. So I sit down with a person that's struggling with sin, just him and I, or her and I, uh, whoever that is, and I say, can we just talk and you gently lay it out there? You're not hammering them over the head. You're not yelling at them. You're saying, can we have a, just to have a conversation? Here's what I see going on in your life. This isn't good. And if you're mindful of Jesus' words, you're going to check for the plank in your eye before you talk about their speck, right? You know, You're going to look at yourself first and say, Uh, Is everything right before I go to that person? Am I going to them in a self-righteous way? A way that looks like I'm better? No, no, that's not good because look at what he says here. Watch yourself or you may also be tempted. So as I go to somebody, I have to be careful of me because I could also be tempted by the same thing that they're struggling with. They're a Christian, they're a brother or sister, and they're struggling with this sin and that might tempt me to do the same thing. So as I go to them, I have to be gentle and I have to be watchful. Watchful over my own heart to make sure I know what's going on in here. So restoration's not an easy thing because sometimes we're restoring people that are doing things that make us angry. I need to make sure I can go to that person in gentleness and not in in fury. And I know sometimes Jesus came in anger but for the most part, as we, look, as we said a couple weeks ago, it seemed like most of that anger was directed towards spiritual leaders that were misleading people. That was who he was most angry about. Leaders who were not taking care of the sheep. That drove him crazy. But when I'm restoring a sinner in the church, typically, usually, i got to come at it in a gentle spirit. Being watchful my, over my own heart. So, restore sinners gently and watchfully now let's say i have to talk to somebody who's carrying a heavy burden what do i do then and he says next he says carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of christ now later he's going to say you got to carry your own load too so i've got the word burden i've got the word load you carry the people's burdens make sure you carry your own load Those two words are different in Greek and they mean different things. Burden implies something that is heavy. Heavy. An extra weight. Something that maybe is difficult for you to deal with. A load, though, later we're going to look at it and see that that is just something that you were designed to carry. It's a responsibility God has given you. You should be able to handle this. God has given it to you. Now, so he says, carry other people's heavy burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And again, when he says law of Christ, I believe he means you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the commandment. Fulfill the law of Christ. Help people carry their burdens. Now, that means that we as a church have to be looking and knowing other people in this building and knowing what's going on in their lives. What kind of burdens do you have? What are you carrying? After church, we're doing a prayer meeting. The the adult Sunday school class is being converted into more of a prayer-focused time. And this morning, we're going to pray for burdens. That's what we're going to do after church today. We're going to pray for burdens. Carrying people's burdens involves praying for them. It involves other things as well. It involves you knowing somebody that can't get to church on Sunday morning and you saying, I will pick you up. You know? It's as simple as that. You don't have a ride? I'll give you a ride. That, that, that's as simple as it can be. It, it can be harder, too. It, it can be something like, you're not meeting your bills and I'm slipping a check into your mailbox. You don't know it's me, but or maybe you will know it's you if you sign the check, but maybe it's cash. <laughs> I had that once, actually. Um, Went to my uh, mailbox at Christmas time a few years ago, and I opened the, the Christmas card, and, and ten $100 bills fell out. And I'm um, looking at this, and, and inside of the card said, Adoption can be expensive. Oh, yeah. And nobody signed their name. There's no way I could even thank that person who did that for me. Right? I can't. But they were trying to help me carry the burden of adoption. Our adoption will probably be about $30,000 when it's all said and done. I mean, that's not a small chunk of change. So we have burdens. Um, I brought a burden with me this morning. A few years ago, uh, I went on a camping trip with junior hires, which is always dangerous. And uh, we were at Devil's Lake State Park, taking a bunch of junior hires to a place called Devil's Lake, right? Great idea. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, had a, I had a youth leader that... Um, she was like prepared for everything. She thought of everything. And so when we went on a hike, I knew that I needed to give her extra time to prepare for the rest of us. So she was packing her bag. And, and she had she had a uh, first aid kit on the hike. You know how there's those high bluffs at Devil's Lake? Some of you have been there, right? That goes way up high of those cliffs, you know. We were hiking way up there. So so she had packed. First aid she had a rope in case one of us fell off the side um, she uh she had snacks for when we got exhausted ha- you know halfway through the hike she had we told all the kids, bring a bottle of water with you because we're going on this hike well she brought she packed extra water in case somebody forgot their water. Well, no, I told them to bring water, but but she just wanted to be prepared. She was prepared. she probably had overnight supplies. I probably didn't know about it but um anyway. She had everything you needed and more. She was prepared. And then she put this backpack on, okay, with everything in it. I'm going to lose my microphone. It's not good. Okay? And up we go. We're going to hike up, hike up to the top of the bluff, and we're going, I don't know what it is, maybe a quarter mile like, like this, right? You know, you're just going like this, straight up. And halfway up, guess what? She was tired. There's like 75 pounds in her bag, and she's tired. And so um, one of the students said, oh, you know, some people are falling behind. So I kind of waited a little bit to see what would happen, stay with the group a little bit here. And as they're coming up, I saw that she didn't have the backpack. Where's the backpack? And it was a junior high guy. And I, I don't know if he said this, if he volunteered to take it, or if she said, hey, slave, get over here, you know, and <laughs> take my backpack. But um, I, I imagine that he volunteered. Because she was a, I can do it kind of leader. I will do it. I imagine, and I know for sure, I imagine he volunteered to take the backpack and he carried it to the top. You know? And, and this is what we do as a church. We say, oh, you've got this burden, right? And I, I don't know if it's your fault or someone else's fault or if you're just, you know, I don't know where that burden came from. I don't need to know everything about it, but I know it's there. And if you would just help me carry it, if you would just take it off just a little bit so I can help you carry it, that's what we're supposed to do as a church. This ought to be the best place in the world to be because we lift each other up and we carry each other's burdens. That's who we can be if we live according to the Spirit. Thirdly, how do I relate if I feel like I'm better than other people in the church? Okay, how do I relate if I look around and see that uh, I'm spending more time in the Bible than other people here, and uh, I've got my family pretty much in order the way I think it should be, whereas I see more chaos out there, uh, how, do, how does that work, you know? By the way, I'm not saying that's the fact, you, know, you only have to see my, my family for a while to know that we're not perfect, but what if I feel like that? What if I feel like I'm better than other people and have it more together and have my finances more in order and and have everything the way it needs to be, then what? Paul's got a word for you too. Because you'll be tempted to relate to other people as if you're better, as if you're more spiritual, because you're carrying your load in a certain way. And here he says, check this out, Each one should test his own actions. Oh, verse 3, I'm sorry. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. You have a load that God designed you to bear. This word load is not the word for something extraordinarily heavy. It's just a common, everyday, carry-your-backpack kind of word. Carry your load. So if I feel like I'm better than other people here, or more spiritual, or if I've memorized more verses, or whatever it is that I've kind of set up as, this is me and how great I am, God says, no, no, wait. I want you to compare yourself to my standard. He says, don't compare yourself to others. Right? Did you catch that? Don't don't look at everybody else in the church and say, how am I doing compared to everybody else? That's the wrong standard. The right standard is opening your Bible and saying, What does God require of me? What does He want me to be carrying? How am I doing with my family? How am I doing with my children? Am I discipling them? Do I trust a youth group for that? That's what they're there for. I hope nobody thinks we're hiring a youth pastor so we take your responsibility as parents away from you to disciple your kids. That's yours. That's yours. So how am I doing with my load? How am I doing with my finances? How am I doing with the things God has given me to do? If you're going to a community based a community group this week uh, that's sermon-based, you'll be answering that question. Okay, You'll be writing, re, writing down some responsibilities and saying, how are those going? And it's okay if at the end of it that you go, hey, I'm doing pretty well. It's okay to say that. That's what Paul says here. You don't have to have false humility and say, oh, I'm doing horrible and it's, it's just so bad. No, it's okay to say things are going well. I remember getting asked every month, you know, um, sitting down with my senior pastor in Watoma, and he'd always ask me, how's family? How's marriage? How's your kids doing? And a lot of those months I'd say pretty good, and sometimes they weren't good, but, but a lot, a lot of time it was things are good. And I kind of felt guilty like, well, I don't want to look like I'm doing better than what I am, but it's okay if things are going well. It's okay. The point is that you compare your standard to the Scripture and not to the people around you. Because if you do that, you start to feel better than everybody else, and it's a false standard to begin with. Think of it like this. Um, Michael Jordan turned 50 this week. You've all heard that, right? Happy birthday, MJ, right? Um, I have a lot of good memories involving him uh, staying up late at my grandmother's house, sipping Coca-Cola, watching him play, you know, basketball. A um, lot of good memories. He turns 50, and of course, people are writing, you know, and, and they're just writing because they're, they're sports writers. I get it. But they're saying things, and I'm sure you've read some of them about, could he come back at 50 and play in the NBA? Have you heard this? Could he do it? Well, if anyone can do it, it's MJ, Right? If anybody could, and uh, those of you that are fifty tell me, could he do it? <laughs> <I> just <laughs> hey, somebody's feeling good at fifty, all right, Lori, that 's you. You are feeling good um, that's great. well, i love I, I've loved watching him over the years. I grew up with him, you know i don 't have faith in him though that way <laughs> I just i'm sorry I'm sorry, I just don't, but you know what? You take him at 50 and, and put him against any one of us in this building right now. We don't stand a chance, people. We don't stand a chance. Maybe you put him up against the, the, the best basketball player in, uh, in high school. I don't know who that is, you know, but, but you can go to Eagle River or Three Lakes or wherever. I, I, don't, I don't think that person probably has a chance either, and I can't prove that. But I'm just guessing MJ's probably got enough in it to beat most people out there that, that are just the regular basketball player. But you put him against these young guys in the NBA that are professionals and they've, they've devoted their life to it. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think he's got it to go up against those guys. That's just my opinion. But if you stick him in a room with us, he's going to wipe the court with us. We know that. Look, some of you go to church and you look around at people's families and people's faith and you say, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I care about what you think, and God cares about what you think. When you get alone with him with your Bible open and say, How am I doing? This isn't MJ compared to all of us and doing that thing because we know he would look pretty good with that. It's how good is he really to play professional basketball? How good is he really? And when we ask ourselves that question, how am I, how's my family doing really? According to God, according to the Bible. What's God laying on my heart in answer to that question? That is the answer that you need to look at. Okay? Let's not do the comparison thing. Because we can all feel like MJ at 50. But um, how are we really doing? How are we really doing? Okay, lastly. Lastly, how do you relate to the pastor or the preacher? I want to spend about 30 minutes on this one, all right? So just hold on. All right, here we go. Um, Anyone who receives instruction in the Word like you are right now must share all good things with his instructor. So um, I expect uh, lots of dinners and expensive gifts and uh, vacation. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I think Paul, Paul's an interesting guy. He doesn't ask for money from the churches he, he, he goes to, right? He, he's a tent maker, right? But for other people, he's saying, you should pay the pastor, you should pray the, pay the preacher, Pay the one that, that makes the living uh, giving out the word of God and teaching. But he, the interesting thing is he does it without mentioning the word money, doesn't he? I'm not sure why he does that. If, it's just, if he's just as awkward about asking for money as the next person, you know? I don't like asking people for money. I, I don't enjoy doing that. But, but it's like he's, he's asking without using the actual word. You, you should just share all good things. Just share And so you might be able to broaden that and say, uh, you can share encouragement with the pastor and just say, here's how God's ministering to me through the word on Sunday. I I don't know. It could be a pretty broad way, but I think he's talking about money without mentioning the word money. I have a lot more to say about that, but I'm not going to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Now he wants to summarize everything he's just said and give you a little bit of a nudge to do it. Here's how he does that. Verse 7, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Sum it up. Sow to the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. You scatter the seeds of the Spirit and then eventually you're going to get a harvest. Don't give up doing good. Don't give up carrying people's burdens. Don't say, I've done it. I've done it so much, I'm just tired of, you know, keep going, keep doing it, keep looking. What burdens are out there? What can you help with? Don't stop looking at your own load. Don't stop doing that either and saying, how are my kids doing? What can I do for them? How can I disciple them? How can I make my marriage better? Okay? It's not status quo. We know status quo is going downhill, right? We've got to be progressing in our faith. Um In your bulletin, I think there's uh, an advertisement for the weekend to remember. It's just a marriage enrichment weekend. I've done it. I highly recommend it. I recommend it for people whose marriages are going well and people whose marriages are not going well. I recommend it for everybody. I went, I benefited. But you say, my marriage is the responsibilities God has given me. How am I doing with nurturing it? How am I doing? That's one option for you to consider for marriage enrichment. And if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap a good reward. If you sow to the flesh, you know, it it may seem like a little thing, but over time, you keep sowing to the flesh and, and there's going to be a very bad result. God's not mocked. You can't get away with it and just keep doing these things and not stop. It's kind of like, you know, eating a donut once a day, you know? A couple donuts a day, every day. Well, the first couple weeks, maybe that's all right. But over the months and the years, you're going to see some negative effects from that, right? And that, that's the way it is with sowing to the flesh. You might not see the big catastrophe right now, but over time, you're going to keep doing what you're doing and not submit to God, not repent. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. And it will be more catastrophic. God's not mocked. He's designed sin to be bad for our lives. Which is why he tells us to stay away from it. To sum up, we sow to the Spirit. The other summary word that he says is, we do good to all. Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I'll say it again. Church should be the best place ever. And the best people ever. Because church is not really a building. Church is people. But when we gather together, this should be a great place to be. Where we really, genuinely care about each other. So I'll say again, you see someone new coming in those doors, may you be the first to shake their hand and greet them. You see somebody with a bad look on their face, may you be the first to genuinely ask them, how are things really, really, truly going? And if they say fine, you say, no, really. How are they really going? and show your concern for other people. And if the only thing that you can do to carry the burden is to pray, you've done something highly significant in their life. You really, really have. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, I pray that Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church would be just the most amazing group of believers that love each other and support each other I pray that this would be a place where sinners are restored, where people's burdens are carried.